welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marla and Amy and Dennis and Matt. Good to have you guys. Today we're talking about wholeness, the story of wholeness out of Chauncey's, Thomas Merton's translation of Chauncey. Incredible story. I think this is going to be a fantastic meeting. I'm just really excited about it. Do you want me to read? Yeah, if you would like, Marla. Wholeness. How does the true man of Tao walk through walls without obstruction, stand in fire without being burnt? Not because of cunning or daring, not because he has learned, but because he has unlearned. All that is limited by form, semblance, sound, color is called object. Among, among them all, man alone is more than an object. Though, like object, he has form and semblance, he is not limited to form. He is more. He can attain to formlessness. When he is beyond form and semblance, beyond this and that, where is the comparison with another object? Where is the conflict? What can stand in his way? He will rest in his eternal place, which is no place. He will be hidden in his own unfathomable secret. His nature sinks to its root in the one. His vitality, his power hide in secret Tao. I underline these next two lines. When he is all one, there is no flaw in him by which a wedge can enter. So a drunken man falling out of a wagon is bruised but not destroyed. His bones are like the bones of other men, but his fall is different. His spirit is entire. He is not aware of getting into a wagon or falling out of one. Life and death are nothing to him. He knows no alarm. He meets obstacles without thought, without care, takes them without knowing they are there. If there is such security in wine, how much more in Tao? The wise man is hidden in Tao. Nothing can touch him. Thank you, Marla. Any comments before we start going through line by line? No, we need this one. You need to go line by line. Yeah, for sure. The first stanza: How does a true man of Tao walk through walls without obstruction, stand in fire without being burnt? I don't think that's talking about actual walls and actual fire. I think talking about our situations in life. You know? Yeah, like traumas and ups and downs. Yeah, for sure. And he gives the answer in the next stanza, not because of cunning or daring, not because he has learned, not because he has learned what to do, not because he read the instructions, you know, it's because he has unlearned. What's the Tao quote with that? Uh, someone who wants uh, knowledge learns something every day, and someone who wants wisdom unlearns something every day. Something along those lines. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's appropriate with that. So we're talking about unlearning here. This whole thing is about unlearning. All that is limited by form, semblance, sound, color is called object. Among them all, man alone is more than object. So man's more than form and semblance, sound, color, more than what we touch or think, okay, or see. Though like objects, he has form and semblance. He is not limited to form. He is more. He can attain formlessness. So he's saying that we can live past what we touch and see. And the wall is not a problem. The fire is not a problem. Do what more? I'm sorry. I read that as being that is that we are the only beings that attain consciousness, which can make us formless. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, you know, everything I think is about attaining consciousness. Really, I mean, everything that I've studied points in that direction. If y'all seen something different, let me know. But uh, I mean, everything from Christianity to uh, all my Zen stuff I've studied, all those things point me, or all the program stuff points yeah. me to waking up, being yeah, spiritually. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he is beyond form, and semblance beyond this and that where's the comparison i was thinking about with that when i read course in miracles and these other things that it talks about that we we give up trying to divide you know we give up trying to be better than or less than we start realizing that we're one and i think that's where that's going we stop the comparing Yes, can can you say that that when there's uh, there's no comparison with any other object, and if there's, I mean, then there can't be a conflict, and um, and if there's no conflict in any other object, there's then nothing can actually be in your way. Exactly, Dennis. You simply are. Yeah. You simply okay. just are, and that's that's pretty good. I mean that that is an incredible synopsis really of how this all works Mm. we stop the comparing with anything the conflict goes away and then there are no problems amy you got something matt has his hand raised oh i'm sorry go ahead matt hi um i may see this differently but i see the form as my conscious self my lower self, my higher self is me before form when I'm at one with a greater consciousness. Uh, that is what I see as formless. And I think animals say we're the only creatures that can extend formlessness. I personally, just my personal opinion, I do not agree. I think, I think natural animals have formlessness because they don't have that identity. Is our identity that is our form. This is how I say it. Okay, thank you, Matt. Thank you, sir. Maybe one day we'll be able to ask an animal about that. Um, <laughs> he will rest in his eternal place. Not talking about 
after you die, I don't think. And his eternal place is no place. He will be hidden in his unfathomable secret. So he will be hidden. All that comes about when we stop the comparing, stop when we start unlearning, really. You know? I, I don't understand he will be hidden. Um, I was thinking that was talking about uh, like hidden as in protected, like you'd be hidden from danger, hidden from the, the negatives was what I was thinking. Like that's how you can walk through walls without obstruction and stand in fire without being burned because right. you're hidden or protected. Right. Oh, OK. That makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Or, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. Well, I mean, how many times have you been in a situation and you just, you know, Mr. Magooed your way through it? Um, how about surviving alcoholism, active alcoholism? I mean, what is that? I, I shouldn't be here. I actually died a couple of times. So there's no real physical reason, scientific reason for me to be here. So that's got to be something, you know, <sighs> I had this, I read this earlier, you know, people send a lot of things around and stuff, but it says maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can become who you were meant to be in the first place. And I thought, my gosh, that's Dow. <laughs> that is so Dow. And then this part about limiting and, um, or not limiting. I, and, and objects and stuff. What, what it made me really think of was the God of my understanding or the Tao or the higher power, whatever, right? When I try to fit that into one building on Sunday morning or one book or one person's ideal, one other person's concept of what this is, that for me is actually limiting what that Tao power could be. So it's very constricting, right? Um, so that's that's really what I was thinking about when I was reading this and when you read it again, Marla. How about that idea of I like what you brought out, Amy, and that he's not limited to form. Hmm. That we're not limited to what we touch and see. And that's why. When I help you, I'm helping me. That is going past the limit of form. Why in the world would it help me to help you? It looks like I would help me first. And then if I had anything left over, help you. But we learn in recovery that <laughs> when I help you, I'm really helping me. That's that oneness coming together that we talk about. You know, that, that, uh, and that's why that works, I think. And that brings us to a place of rest. I'm going to talk about a quote. Uh, this is, I had a couple of things in this on that page before we go to the second page. How do we move beyond form? Uh, and, I, and I wrote down what happens uh, is dependence on our perception. We're dependent on our perception, not what actually is. So, it's all about the way that we interpret what's going on and what our perception is of the situation, because all of this is talking about us changing 
not the situations, I don't think, that we can learn to be at rest no matter what's going on. We can learn to be at peace no matter what's happening. And it's an, an, an internal struggle of how we perceive our situation. Okay, on to the second page. His nature sinks to its root in the one. His vitality, his power, hid in secret Tao. His vitality and his powers hid in the Tao, which you can interpret Tao as just the path. So in this path that we're on, um, we're hid in that path. Same way you were talking about, Amy, about what the hidden meant from the last phrase, that place of no place. It's that place of emptiness, I think, really. This goes back to the emptiness of this. Dennis, you got something? Yes. Am I, I might be overthinking this, but could it also be when, when you say that his vitality, his power hide in the sacred Tao, like we talk about in the program, that anonymity is our spiritual, um, it's it's uh, anonymity is our spiritual, what do you call that, awakening? What is it that we say there? What are we saying in this 12th tradition? Anonymity is our, what? I lost it for a little bit. But meaning that we are anonymous about it, that it's hidden, it's it's not our ego that's, that's going out. We simply just are. Now I'm going back to that. But um, And like I said, I might be overthinking it, but but I could see it as, as being anonymous about the Tao. Uh, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, yes. reminding us to place principles before personalities. And anonymity is, is just was just another word that I would put in, in, in instead of the um, the the hidden or or the uh, or hide in this in the sacred Tao. I mean, where you have your power in, in that you don't take credit for anything is kind of what I mean. You oh, don't that's take good. Credit. I had thought so, about that. That's and it might be a little bit too deep or overthinking it. I don't know, but but I see it as as you don't take credit for for the good deed you're doing for doing the right way, doing the Tao way. You don't take credit for you. Neither do you try to preach it to to anybody. Well, the great thing is, if I'm not taking credit for something when it works, I don't have to take the blame either for when it doesn't. You know. And then you lose your form, right? Yes. Mm. Very good, Dennis. Very good. I didn't see that. That is good. Every time I'm interviewed on a podcast, they want to do a video of the podcast. And I say no. Because, and most people don't understand, even a lot of, most of these recovery podcasts, they're not anonymous. Mm. And I work hard to maintain my anonymity. And the, and the reason I do is for this very reason. Dennis, because it's not about me, mm. not about any of us. It's about what we've experienced. And it's that experience where, you know, this, this now, this God that we've experienced, this power of love we've experienced is what makes a difference, not us. It's not about us. Buddy, you mentioned the, the 12th tradition and the short form, but I want to read the long form. Finally, we have Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. It reminds us that we are to place principles before personalities, that we are actually to practice a genuine humility. This to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us, that we shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. 
Yes. And it's so funny because in the beginning, uh, the anonymity was all for me that nobody should know that I was an alcoholic. And a lot of people don't really get past that, but but you can actually get to another place where you, you're you really not that damn important. Who you're helping and all that, it's, it's just... It's just yeah. Right. It's a gift for us, Dennis. And mm. if I take credit for a gift, how many more gifts am I going to get? Not very many. Mm. That's that's the thing. You know, and how can I really take credit for something that's given to me that I have no, that all I did was surrender to get? Mm. You know, I didn't earn this. And that goes back to love, too. You know, love is not a noun. It's a verb. It's an action. So this whole path that we're on, if it's a path of compassion, a path of love, it's a path of action. It's a path of action. That's good. Thank you. That's real good, actually. Thank Any other you. comments before we continue? Yeah. So maybe the secret aspect of this is the anonymity part. Could be. Sure. I just thought to pop in if I could. Uh, and I'm shoving here with hands. Uh, I forget which tradition it is. I'm thinking tradition one, but there's one where it says about, uh, I forget the exact word, even I've got my big book out, but I've got time to find it, uh, about how alcoholics are anonymous, how each of us is part of a greater whole. And I always find that very, very now We are all part of a greater whole. The way I see that line, it's just the way I see it, the secret Tao. I think of there being the two Tao's, the name and the unnamed. Now, the name is the mother of 10,000 things, and of which I am one of those, and that gives me my form. In the unnamed Tao that I cannot speak of, I guess I'm formless, even non-existent. Um, that's how I see that secret Tao, just how I see it. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, the more that we add ourselves in, the more form we're adding, right? Exactly. Ego. Mm. Yes, ma'am. When he is all one, there is no flaw in him by which a wedge can enter. That's pretty big. I was thinking about... James in the New Testament, where it talked about that when you're tempted, you're drawn away of your own lusts and enticed. So if it's not a if it's not already in you, it's not going to be a temptation to you. So things that are a temptation to me may not be things that are a temptation to you or you or you or vice versa, whatever that is that we're talking about. So but it is, buddy, sugar. I have the same thing. I tell you, sugar is the one. Always a temptation <laughs> for alcoholics. <laughs> anyway. You know, I know that between, uh, like, uh, Dennis, you, you had a weed issue. So, yeah. you know, for me, there's no temptation to smoke pot. I mean, it's not a deal for me at all. So, but it is for you. So being in the, the same environment, same situation, you could react differently than I do. So, it's the same kind of thing with everything. And I think that's what this is saying. If there's no flaw, you know, if we're all one, if we're in this place of rest, mm. that uh, there's no flaw by which a wedge can enter. So that that's any other comments on that or. 
Yes, I mean when when you are when you are still or, or in touch with 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 he who dwells within you or whatever you want to say, you're exactly right. There will not be any ways that, that can enter, and no flaws or that of your character defects will will harm you because that's just uh, of the ego. So if if you can just be aware of that, then yes. Page 85 says that is how we react so long as we mm. keep in fit spiritual condition. It's talking about being in fit spiritual condition, I think. Maybe. I'm, I'm still skeptical about that, but. Why? You, you mean, I, I equate like being in fit spiritual condition to never, to not wanting to, to not even having an urge to drink. Like Maybe that. At some that, point. I'm sorry, I always thought if I were in really fit spiritual condition and totally at one with, I will not feel any urges to drink. Mm. But, but that has not been true for me. I, I It's not been true for me either. And and Buddy brought up weed. And, you know, I can hear uh, a, a container of Tic Tacs rattle. Sounds like a pill water to me. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's... I don't, for me, Marla, I don't think being in fit spiritual condition means that I will never think about a drink or a drug or some other mind altering substance of any kind um, or negative thoughts or whatever. I think it just means for me, again, for me, that when those thoughts come up, when I start acting like an asshole again, when I start being myself at someone else's expense, I can recognize it sooner and I don't have to follow through with that bad behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't, when it comes right down to it, I don't have to, like, I'll think about it, but am I going to go out and get it? That I think for me is, is indicative of my being in fit spiritual condition. If I weren't, then the thought would come and I'd be at the store. Okay. Or at the dealer's house or at the doctor's office or whatever the case may be. Mm. That's that's the way I look at it. Well, that kind of leans us that, that leans us towards the ninth step promise. We'll intuitively know how to handle things that we could never do ourselves before. And I think if I'm in if I'm in tune with my program, if I'm consistent with working my program, if I'm consistent with not keeping things to myself, if I'm doing the 10 step, if I'm if, if I'm examining all my, my, my interactions with people and if I've got amends to make and I make them, I don't I don't start building up this this bank of resentments again. If I'm consistent in contacting my sponsor when not just things are going wrong, but things are going right as well. You know, I, I need to share I need to share wins as well as um, as, as well as my learns, as well as the things I need to learn on. To me, that's being spiritually in, in tune. It's doing that. It's doing the next right thing. It's not. I've seen where keeping secrets and not communicating with people have taken me before. So for myself, that's that's mass spiritual maintenance. What was it? Bill W says we're we're only we're not cured of alcoholism. Um, what we have is well, basically today, based on how well you're working the spiritual program. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Dennis. You have some- I actually know. It just reminds me of when we we just dropped off my my sister to the my sister in law to the airport here uh, a little bit more than a week ago, and her flight was cancelled. And he's a, she's a wet drunk, and uh, 
and I didn't, I wasn't bothered for her to drink here. I said, just put your beers in the fridge. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, then when her flight was canceled, I was frustrated because I had to pee and I couldn't just go out there. And then she forgot to get $50. So we have to take two circles around the terminal. And then we found out the flight was canceled. We had to take another circle around again and pick her up. And of course, I used the restaurant before. But anyway, we went into a restaurant that she found. We said, okay, let's go out and eat something. And, and, and I found it a little funny that I had to be patted down before I went into this restaurant. And I went in and it turned out to be a clubhouse on a Monday, no, Tuesday, I think it was. And uh, and there was loud music and there was a bar. We were just sitting there and I was like, this is not what I needed. I didn't wear my glasses. I couldn't hear what was said. I was like, I can't hear anything and I can't see the menu. Just read me something and you just decide what I get, baby. And then I kind of calmed down and everything was fine. But I was frustrated and it turned around. And yes, I smoked a little bit of that, what do you call water pipe, hooker. Uh, and 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 I was okay with that, and I could actually sit and enjoy myself. But I was like a fish out of water. I haven't done this in a long time in that club environment. But I was able to see and observe people, and some people were sitting having fun with each other. But I saw a lot of people that was like me, and I think that was a learning progress. I saw people sitting there being alone with that just nine-mile look on their face of emptiness. Not the good emptiness, the bad emptiness, buddy. <laughs> but, and without, that's something I, I cannot take credit for that, but without you guys and, and the program and, and, and that power, I don't understand. I would probably have felt in. I would have hidden it away from my wife. I wouldn't have bring it in front of her. But I would probably, if that was too much for me, I would begin to say, oh, well, wait a minute, let me try this out. I would have summed in. Anyway, that just came to mind. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that spiritually fit, Marla, I don't think is one thing, like one level or one. I think it's kind of like, okay, a child is perfect. Let's say a, a mentally sound, healthy child, okay, is perfect at age four, just like as they grow, they're perfect at age 12 or 16 or 20. It is perfectly healthy for a, when do you, uh, when do babies get out of diapers at three or so? So a two-year-old to shit in his britches is perfectly healthy, okay? <laughs> but an eight-year-old, it's not. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I just got, just for one second, we were totally talking about this this morning. I told Craig, I would come and change his diaper for him when he's old, because he's got no one. All right, go ahead. <laughs> now, we can't criticize an eight-year-old for not knowing how to drive, okay? But if someone's 18 and they could get their license, it's okay. It's not okay for an eight-year-old to drive, but it is okay for an 18-year-old. You see what I'm saying? So at every level of this, that fitness may may be something a little different, a little more mature, if that makes sense. And plus, you know, fitness for me might be running two miles, just like someone who runs marathons is fit too. We're both fit. You know, so you got a lot of, there's a lot of variance there. I wouldn't beat myself up because I still, you know, have some cravings. And I, I don't, I think anyone who's an alcoholic or an addict, 
or some other type of addict that um, gets out of shape spiritually is going to start experiencing those things again. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, well, of course, I've experienced that, too. Um, but, yeah, staying spiritually fit, see, you know, it doesn't have to look like a, you know, like a black and white thing. Right. But I'm, I'm kind of I understand that everything is relative. I really I, I agree with that. But isn't there a point? I know I'm not there. Um, but isn't there a point where you could just be where you are, where you're totally aware and you're okay, then, then I cannot see that when you are like Eckhart Tolle or, or, or other spiritual um, teachers, if you are in, in that moment, I don't think you, you would have any urge or anything uh, if, 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 if you reach that, that level of. of I, don't, I can only speak to my experience, Dennis, and quite honestly, alcohol has not been an issue for me in a long, long time. So mm. uh, what brought me in was alcohol for sure. And what almost killed me was alcohol. And I have no desire. Mm. Ever, I mean, I would say ever, but I can't think of the last time I thought a drink would be a good idea. So. So is that what you mean when you say it's not an issue? I do think you, so. I think you, so, Amy. Yeah. Do you mean that you're not obsessing over? I don't wish okay. I could drink. I don't want to drink. I don't. It sits around like, I mean, I, I just don't have any desire for alcohol. So I think that's good to Dennis's point of it being all relative, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, alcohol not being an issue for you under those terms, then alcohol is not an issue for me. But I'm an alcoholic. So how can alcohol not be an issue for me? You don't have to call yourself an alcoholic. It just means that right now I'm not actively in pursuit of a drink. Mm. And I'm staying in a spiritually fit condition so I don't have to. It's what it seems to be. The the more I am spiritually, it seems to be that seems to be what's Mm. what's doing that. At the same time, I totally agree with that. But at the same time, I, for me, and and I'm I'm really, I guess, unlearning how to just be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have this deep ingrained fear, though. It's not a huge fear, but a fear of if I do get to that, oh, just be, will I stop? seeking spiritual fitness and for me not to continue to seek spiritual fitness is dangerous if that makes any sense like there's a fine line between just being and not trying to <laughs> being for me amy be you said you said it in there for me the being is in not having to seek anymore you stop seeking you're because you're there. Hmm. But I don't want to be there. Oh, I think do. I'll be. You do I, because because when you're there, you can just sit. You can just be. Well, I'm definitely far from there then. <laughs> you're not as far as you think. You're not as far as you think. I'm going to get back because he's yeah. got to end up. But do you have something else, Amy? Do you have, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Okay. Matt. Hi. Um. I forget where we identify here, but I'm, I'm an alcoholic too. Um, 
I think part of the bit for me is um, we seek spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Mm-hmm. Part of my spiritual fitness is like yesterday, I knew I'd been totally clean and I knew it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to be careful. And I think, for me at least, part of spiritual fitness is knowing when this has happened. Because for me to be spiritually sick, I could be off a beam, I think I was well. And that's when I've got a problem. That's when I'm in trouble. So spiritual fitness, I think part of it, and maybe not a big part of it, but a little part of it for me at least is knowing instantly that you're off beam. Yeah, I can see that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, we'll move on to the next. So a drunken man. Falling out of a wagon is bruised, but not destroyed. His bones are like the bones of other men, but his fall is different. His spirit is entire. He is not aware of getting into a wagon or falling out of one. His fall is different. Remember those days? (laughs) Well, I think don't uh, don't. You know, when you're full of alcohol, you have no muscle tone. You just like you crumple. We spoke about this today as well, didn't we? We did. We did. We were, we were talking about how how you so, you're so relaxed and how you're so chilled that you have a great fall. The chance that you would bounce rather than break. And and how is that connected to? He's using someone who's drunk, isn't it, as an example of someone uh, who is similar to someone at rest, someone unlearned. Um. (laughs) Wow. That's actually a paradox, isn't it? Because a drunken man is unaware, but he's aware at the same time, according to this, because they're describing awareness with a drunken man that's unaware of his his behavior. And he just produces his way through. And how many times have you just fumble through when you were drunk or like have the accident and you mm. and you're flexible and you're just you don't even know what's going on and you survive when if you would have been sober it would have killed you dead you know that kind of an idea of you know he might look the same but his fall is different ah i think i got it he's out of control he's not trying to seek control at that point we don't have any control over anything in recovery Right. That's the same thing here. He's out of control of it. So that's he's not trying to tense up when he's falling. So his body is just limber and he just goes around with what is. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. I didn't read the story till today, you know, 11 o'clock ish. And I was like, this is a great story. This is going to be good. Um, His fall is different. His spirit is entire. He's not aware of getting into a wagon or falling out of one. He doesn't know what's going on. Now listen to this. Life and death are nothing to him. Mm. He knows no alarm. He meets obstacles without thought, without care. Takes them without knowing they are there. They might fit my description when I was into a drunken stupid, but in the end of it, I was uh, I was afraid of, of 
of dying without being aware of that. So I kind of had some awareness with, with life and death, I think. Uh, I want to look at the ninth step promises on page 83 in the big book and see how many of these alcohol did for me to a degree before I got sober. And several of these alcohol did for me. If we're, this is on the bottom of page 83, these are read at most meetings, I think. If we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. Yeah, I was amazed a lot of times when I drank. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Yeah, that happened a lot. Will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. I regretted that, you know, I, I lost my regret of the past when I drank. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of the reason I drank. The problem was it came back with a vengeance. Oh, it sure did, Dennis. It did. You know, we'll comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace for about 20 minutes. For about 20 mm-hmm. minutes, you know. <laughs> no I have a time line that for 20 minutes, that was just where you had that piece, and then you even stepped above that and drank too much, and you just came down too much. <laughs> Number one used to tell me, she said, you know, she said, if I could take you right now and stop this, you would be perfect. Because <laughs> I well, get a little bit in, you know, and she's like, that's perfect. Just stop right there, you know. That's what I call the sweet spot. That's what I searched for. That's what I aimed for. And every single time I'd overshoot the mark, I would go yeah. way past because, well, just a little bit more, just a little yeah. bit more. And I'll keep I'll stay here forever. <laughs> no. You got to store some up for later, you know, drink as much as you can because there's no later. Oh, stupid, silly games in my head. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our, our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Wow. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows or or fellows or females, whichever you prefer. Self-seeking will slip away. This is one I really got. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. That happened all the time when I drank. Yeah, I agree. All of it. That's actually pretty good. That's very good. Yeah. But only for a brief moment when you hit that sweet part that Amy is part that Amy's talking about. But I also I overshot that too. Yeah. That was this. I, I like in this phrase too. I, I think this is a description, this this little paragraph we're in of unlearning. Life and death are nothing. He knows no alarm. He meets obstacles without thought, without care. You know, care goes back to that uh to the third step that we turn our will and our life over to the care of God. What, what I do a lot of times in working the third step, I ask a sponsee to write down everything they care about. What do you care about? All that stuff is why you can surrender. You can surrender all those things and not have to carry that care anymore. Without thought, without care, takes them without knowing they are there. Hmm. If there is such security in wine, how much more in doubt? The wise man is hidden in doubt. Nothing can touch him. Nothing. 
that we must find a sufficient substitute. Right? We hear that all the time in the rooms. So yes. what is a sufficient substitute for the wine? It's the Tao. Yes. We can reach the same place. Hmm. How much is the diaper bottle? Right. <laughs> it costs you everything, Craig. That's the problem. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to let go because that's what we have to do is unlearn. We're used to learning and we most of us never learn how to do that. Because it's about the surrender. It's Does anybody the, oh sorry, buddy? Go ahead. Does anybody else read language letting go every day? Because today's was exactly what we're talking about. Uh, can I read it? Sure. Okay. Surrender. <laughs> Master the lessons of your present circumstances. We do not move forward by resisting what is undesirable in our life today. We move forward. We grow. We change by acceptance. Avoidance is not the key. Surrender opens the door. Listen to this truth. We are each in our present circumstances for a reason. There is a lesson, a valuable lesson that must be learned before we can move forward. Something important is being worked out in us and in those around us. We may not be able to identify it today, but we can know that it is important. We can know it is good. Overcome not by force, overcome by surrender. The battle is fought and won inside ourselves. We must go through it until we learn until we accept, until we become grateful, until we are set free. Today, I will be open to the lessons of my present circumstances. I do not have to label, know, or understand what I'm learning. I will see clearly in time. For today, trust and gratitude are sufficient. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. What this was reminding me of, this, uh, the wise man's hidden in the Tao, nothing can touch him. On the bottom of page 84, where we were just reading before this, uh, up at the top of the page, and we've ceased fighting anything and anyone, even alcohol. By this time, sanity would have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. Seldom, Marla, like you were talking about, does it go away? Here it says we're seldom interested. Uh, if we're tempted, we, we, we recoil from it is from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. We'll find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought huh, or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. It goes back to that humility we were talking about. That is our experience. That is how we, we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Now, if we're not in fit spiritual condition, all bets are off. <laughs> That's not a permanent state, I don't think. It's not been for me. And that state starts to unravel when I stop whatever's connecting me spiritually with my higher power and with you guys. Mm -hmm. And I start getting angry. I start losing my sanity, lose my peace. Then I start seeing the first step and I start seeing things outward changing. You know, I start reacting 
oddly and badly about things. So that's not being in touch with the Dow. I'm not hidden in the Dow at that time. But isn't there a way to get that? I mean, there's there's other teachers where I believe, I've, I always mention Eckhart Tolle, somebody that's just sitting there and they can become aware when they're trying to strain back to, to the egotistic side and they can just go back and, and, and be it again. I don't know. I, you don't I, believe that they all, you, you think they all also deal with frustrations and... Uh, well, someone was telling me that they... Uh, Someone I was listening to was talking about the Dalai Lama, and they said he gets mad too. So I saw him, you know, I saw him get mad. <laughs> I forget who it was was talking about this. Yes, said, you know. So I don't know, Dennis. I know. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're human too. They can fall <laughs> into that area. I was okay. talking to a sponsee about this earlier today, and he uh, uh, with uh, uh, Justin uh, Justin M. And uh, we were talking about this. We went over this story and talked about it. He said his, his, and I never thought about this, but I think he's right. He said in the, uh, I, I mentioned Mr. Magoo. He says, you know, he says, I think that that was like Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. He said, what do you mean? He says, he just mumbled his way through everything. He, he, he just, he tried to help everybody all the time mm-hmm. and everything worked out. I'm like, wow, that's right. That's probably the best example I can think of in movies. Of he said, I just forced Gump my way through things. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's good. You know, just think about it. Y'all have any other examples that you can think of in movies that of that kind of a thing or characters that? But Forrest Gump is an incredible example of that. I think Agreed. because he always looked to help. Aren't all the Star Wars movies based on uh, Dow's principles? Good, like, well, with the full, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, oh, I watch them all. Yeah, it seems to be, but there, I don't see compassion in those that much. Not like, uh, they're all war, I agree. They have some sayings, and there's some sayings that is very Tao like, but the whole concept of Star Wars is definitely the good versus the evil. Oh, okay. All the time, and then you can go to the dark side, right? Yeah. So you 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 don't get that extra. I don't think that higher level, but but they have some Tao sayings there for and sure. And sacrifice, like uh, yes. you know, a couple of the guys just gave up and allowed themselves to die. You know, like uh, oh shoot, I forget exactly how all the storylines go, but uh, it's fun to watch. I like it when Yoda started fighting. Man, that was incredible. I was like, what? He started flipping all over the place. It was it was good. Well, again, I don't I don't watch. I haven't seen. No, uh, I've seen them multiple times, Marla. Uh, but Forrest Gump really is my favorite. I, that that mm-hmm. when he said that, I thought, yeah, he's right. He was always compassionate. He always looked how he could help others. And if anyone was unlearned, it was him. Actually, there's another good movie where where he, I can say that he's there, Mr. Church. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Mr. Church is a movie with, with Eddie Murphy, yes. And he was just, yes, he was a drunk, and he went to a bar once a week, and then he figured out he hurt somebody, so he stopped. However, he was just, then he was cooking, and then he was doing this, but he was completely in the moment whenever he was doing that. That was kind of fascinating. Okay. And also doing stuff for others, is working uh, selflessly for others, right? Yeah. That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Any other comments, guys? I think this is a good story. Uh, 
the essence of the story is how can we unlearn? I think, how can we let go? How can we surrender just like we learn in the program? You know, that's the, the biggest thing is unlearning. And the funny thing is we talked about it. It's actually understanding is not a big contribution to our spiritual growth. Because when we're trying to understand something, we're raising a question. That question goes into another question sometimes. So you reach a level where you just have to let go and, and, and take things as they are. Then and that's, I don't know if that has something to do with the unlearning, but that's what I'm thinking of. I think that when we, even like meetings like this, any books that you read, what I'm having to do is take those things rather than something for me to learn or, some, or something else for me to know. I need to look for their experience in whatever I'm reading or looking at so that it's like a road sign for me to when I get there. Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about now. I can see it. Mm -hmm. So it's more like a sign of what to expect as we follow on this path rather than something new for us to learn. I don't know if that, if there's a, if you see the difference there, if I did a good job explaining that, but that's the way I look at these. Like when I read a book now, it's not that I'm trying to learn something from this book. It's like, what is this author's experience trying to show me? Just like in a meeting, we listen to someone's experience. Does that make sense, Amy? Your wheels are turning. I can tell. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I'm still stuck on the, the just being and not doing anything. <laughs> Because after what you read, yeah, so I might be half-assed paying attention to what y'all are talking about now because I'm just still stuck. <laughs> after what you read in the big book, you know, that's how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Then it says it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Well, resting on my laurels means not doing anything further to achieve further success. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. And here you go, Craig. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So maintenance for me means doing something. Okay. And I know I'm just getting hung up in the semantics of this. I know there's, that. There's also another quote as well. I don't know if it was Bill W. that said it, but it was, we're sorry you're disappointed. The results that you didn't get from the work that you didn't do. So if we start to get complacent, if we start to get to the stage where we think that we're in control of what we're doing, that's when we're in trouble. That's when we start to think, I've got this. I'm now in control of that. I can now control my alcoholism. I can now go back out and drink because I'm in control of this. So to me, that's that's what that's talking about. Hmm. It's not all about sitting meditating on a mountain every single morning. It's about doing, it's about doing what, I, to be honest with you, I didn't put much effort into my drinking. It was really easy. I think if I put half of the effort into my sobriety as I did with my drinking, then I think I should do okay. But I'm more conscious of the fact that there is work involved in it. Thank you, Craig. Amy, one thing that I see in this, you know, and also it says that we must go further and that means more action. You know, so you've got uh, all this truth is paradoxical too. when when it says rest on our laurels. I was told that meant resting on our past achievements. 
So that's what you're saying. Yeah, I have that written down too. It's just being okay with what I did in my opinion, in my brain right now, that means being okay with what kept me sober yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yesterday's already gone. So what do I need to do today right now? And maybe I'm just getting hung up on the words. Maybe. And and I really like that you said I'm closer than I think, mm -hmm. because I really feel like I'm at, at this point in my recovery. It doesn't feel like work. You know, it doesn't feel hard. It doesn't feel um, exhausting. So maybe, again, maybe I'm just getting hung up on the words. I think for me, when we look at the effortless effort, you know, a lot of people, Wu Wei, we talk about that. Effortless effort is still effort. It's just in an unselfish way. So... Yeah, there's still work to be done, but the work is in service, not in selfishness and in, you know, in making Buddy better, but it's how can I help you? That's still work. You know, so learning to be is learning to live a surrendered life, Amy. That's what it means to me. Is learning just to be okay, learning to be available. Mm -hmm in more moments of the day rather than pushing my agenda to make something happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it does. Yes. No. Yeah. To add on to that, it's kind of when you say effortless, effortless, effortlessness. Now I'm getting caught up in it. Uh, you, you, um, you do the dishes to do the dishes. So you have a joy doing the dishes where you don't think about when you're done, when the reward comes in. So you're staying in the moment and you're enjoying doing the work. And that's a little bit what you're talking about, Amy, where you enjoy doing the step work and working with others and all those things. There's a certain joy in it. In the beginning, I hated that. I hated that I had to do this in order to do that. And I was looking at other people just so I could find their flaws and all that stuff. But it is such a liberating thing, the effortlessness effort, whatever it is Buddy is talking about. <laughs> that I can actually get into a project and just doing what I need to do in the moment and not want the end result all the time. That's kind of what I got a, a little extension to that. I don't know if it makes sense. I would, I would liken it to being a parent. It's hard work. It's hard work to start with, but the rewards you get as you're going along, you know that you're going to have to do this. You know you're going to have to do that, but it, it really does just become part of your daily routine. Acceptance is the key. I never just sit and do nothing mm. while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done. And I'll leave the results up to him. However, it turns out, that's God's will for me. That is being, Amy. Mm. That is okay. being, as far as I'm concerned. That's my, that, that's what I've seen. You know, it tells me what I not to do next, a must. There are musts in the big book. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for AA. 
You actually said it right there after that is being, Amy. I wish you had a gavel right there. That is being when you yep. close the book. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. So that magic magnifying mind of mine just took this and ran with it and said, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're all got it all fucked up and you're not it. And I am. <laughs> I, that, that last line in the next to the last stanza takes them without knowing they are there. Yes, that's what I was looking back at. Oh, duh. So here I am trying to figure out why I'm not there when I'm actually there. And I don't even know that I'm there because I'm there. <laughs> I mean, read the paradox. I mean, all the paradoxes are the very same. You know, they're all saying, you know, surrender to win. How in the world does that work? You know, and all the others, you know. So, um, yeah, this is a good one today. Thank you, guys. Thanks to Justin M. too. He. He had a lot in this for me that uh, that I talked about all throughout it. And the anonymity portion, that was good, Dennis. Thank you. Yeah, I never really considered that. I thought the anonymity was like, oh, I don't want anyone to know. But it's really you don't need you don't need to be named if you're helping other people. Exactly right. Well, that's me. That's my thinking is that this has nothing to do with me. If I put the focus on me, I've lost it. Yeah. Can't help anyone else. Anything else, guys, before we close? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.